Thanks so much for joining us on our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that this message encourages you, equips you, and inspires you as you continue to daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. God bless you. What we're going to be talking about this morning um, is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, you know you want to go ahead and put the screen up close, the picture? So I actually found that online. Diana and I had a chance to go to Italy um, a couple years back and got to look at a lot of Renaissance paintings. And it occurred to me that a lot of stuff that are in the, the Catholic cathedrals there or in other, other churches in, in Europe uh, were commissioned by people to tell stories from the Bible. And uh, this was one of them. So I, I looked around and found it, and I thought it was kind of cool because it sort of shows the whole thing. You've got to look through the door to the right to see the end of the story. Uh, the, the foreground of the picture is the, the rich man living it up and Lazarus laying at the gate trying to get some scraps to eat. And then if you look to the right through the window, um, that's how they end up. That's how they get to spend eternity. Um, so, and I, I think um, in our culture today, and even in churches to some degree, um, they, they complain about hellfire kind of sermons. And I don't know that we're doing hellfire necessarily today, um, but clearly um, there's a hell. So, and I think our society and Satan um, would like us to not believe that there is, and has convinced the world that there is not a hell. That there, that, and if all we have to hope for is what happens here, and then it's just over. Um, perhaps the stuff we do here that's not quite kosher uh, is okay. As the worst going to happen to us is we're done one day. We're just worm food. Yeah, that's not the case, though, and that's what we're going to talk, to, uh, talk about this morning, what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. So, and I did want to start off with reading one thing, sort of to that end. Uh, this is from a guy named Paul Harvey. He used to be a radio commentator back in the day. And uh, he did this thing called If I Were the Devil. It got to be pretty famous. And uh, I just thought, as I was sort of preparing for this, I, this came to mind, and I looked it up and read it. And I thought it was worth mentioning again, based on given where we are today. And I'll tell you how long ago he did this when I'm done with it. But um, Paul Harvey says, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I'd seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. And I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And old, the old I would teach to pray after me, our father would chart in Washington. And when I get organized, I'd educate authors on how to make lurid literature exciting, so everything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd tell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen the distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, <coughs> excuse me, until each one in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects 
but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild until before you knew it, you'd have to, you'd have, you'd have, to have a drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and, defy, and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet I could get the whole states to promote gambling as a way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned and swinging is more fun. That what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases from which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. And uh, that was in 1965. So uh, how far have we come from that? So anyway, the, um, what we're going to talk about today is what they don't want you to believe. Um, the devil doesn't want you to believe that there's a hell. Um, he doesn't want you to, to tell people that, or have a burning desire to tell people that their only way to keep from hell is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So um, we're going to start in... Uh, we're gonna, well, we're not going to start. We're going to be in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Um, there, if you don't have a Bible, there should be Bibles in front of you, or we'll put it up on the board. I would encourage you um, to bring your Bible. I, I've had the privilege of having other pastors teach me that uh, don't take my word for anything, take God's word for everything. So um, in the event somebody gets a typo or something up there, if you've got your own God's word in front of you, um, it doesn't matter what I tell you, um, God can speak to you through the same text. So if I get it wrong, you need to hold me accountable, as you would anyone. Uh, but have God's word for yourself if you can. So um, if you're turning there, if you have it, we usually stand to honor the reading of God's word at least for the first scripture. So if you're able, um, we're in Luke chapter 16, and we'll start in verse 19. Um, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, I have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. <clears throat> Abraham replied, 
They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead, <clears throat> pardon me, someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. You know, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, as we asked before, we, we uh, ask your blessing on this time, Lord. We ask that uh, you speak to our hearts as we continue in worship in this way. And as we study your word, uh, it gives us a newfound uh, relationship with you or strengthens our relationship with you in a manner that, that gives us a burning desire to share it with other people. And uh, Lord, as uh, I continue, um, we just ask that you work through me. That uh, It's not me speaking up here today, uh, but you. Um, and we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. You have a seat. So um, this, uh, this passage um, is only in, in Luke. And it's actually listed among, in, in my Bible, a few years back, my brother and sister-in-law got me this really cool study Bible. And it's got things like listings of parables and stuff in it. And it's listed as a parable. Um, and in the verses just a little bit prior um, is a, a rather famous verse where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who were pretty hung up on power and money. Um, if you go back to about verse 13 or so, is a verse that Jesus said you can't serve two masters. If you love money, and you can't serve God and money. Um, because the Pharisees were pretty wrapped up on that. So um, this is sort of a continuation of that to a degree. Um, there are people that uh, um, don't see this as a parable, a parable. They actually see it as an account. Um, and I, I kind of get that. I think I, I was wholly in that camp before I started doing this research uh, for, for what I was going to talk to you guys about today. And um, because no, none of the other parables, um, no one's mentioned by name. Um, this one in particular, Jesus goes out of his way to identify and use, use Lazarus' name. So a lot of people based on that. And the other parables are uh, Jesus using earthly stuff to describe spiritual um, values. Uh, this clearly is, is just talking about the hereafter. So it talks about what you do here and then what's going to happen when your life ends. Um, so it's really not aligning with that kind of stuff either. Um, but there are other things in it, like talking out, starting out with that there was a rich man. Um, so it could be either, I think. I think I'm, I'm not as swayed that this is absolutely an account. Clearly, Jesus was there from the beginning. I mean, that's absolutely biblical, right? In John 1, it says Jesus was there, and he was the word. He was God. He is God, right? So the pre-incarnate Christ, this, this could have been a historical account very easily. Um, he was, he's there. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, it really doesn't matter either way. Um, I think the truth that's within this, whether you believe this is an account or you believe this is another parable where Jesus is just telling a story to teach you a truth, um, works for me either way. So... Um, I used to be people would talk about the parable thing and I'd really get watered up about, uh, no, it's an account, it's not a parable. Um, but at the end of the day, I was convinced by some of the folks that I read, sort of like we used to have this pastor in Atwater, um, Dale Brister. Um, he'd talk about you trying to share your faith with people and they'd start asking you questions about the, God, the Bible and they'd ask you things like, well, where'd Cain get his wife? And Dale would say, you know what, um, who cares? <laughs> what about the rest of it? That's the important stuff. So who cares where Cain got his wife? Um, if it's a parable or it's an account, I mean, that's, a, that's really cool stuff to talk about, but at the end of the day, it doesn't change the impact. So, um, and it's not, uh, 
it would seem at first blush, because he was talking to the Pharisees who were completely hung up on money, uh, it would seem to be an indictment of the rich. And as much as those of us that aren't rich would like to say, you bet, um, that's not it either. Uh, because clearly there were plenty of people in the Bible, um, Abraham, who's mentioned in the story, uh, was exceptionally wealthy. In fact, when uh, um, his nephew Lot had been uh, taken by some bad guys, he was able to mount an army of 318 men who had specific skills, sort of like Liam Neeson in the, in the Taken movies. We have very specific skills <laughs> to go get him back. Um, you'd have to have a couple of bucks to be able to put an army together. I don't think that stuff comes free. These days in, in Ukraine, it costs $40 billion to generate an army. <laughs> Sorry. The Washington thing got me all lathered up when I was reading it. But, uh, I mean, Abraham, uh, Job, Solomon, I had looked up this thing with the seven richest people in the Bible. And uh, apart from Abraham, there was Isaac, Job, Solomon, David, and Joseph. So Joseph was the second in command in Egypt. He probably had a buck or two. Um, clearly, David and Solomon, they were the, the kings of Israel. Um, they lived in splendor. Didn't have, they didn't want for anything. So, um, but the difference between those folks and the rich man in this story is they clearly had a right relationship with wealth. Sometimes it ran them off the rails, don't get me wrong. And that's the problem with wealth is it can do that. Uh, money's cool, money's nice, and things are nice. Um, and you can get so hung up on things that you forget about the, the creator who provided you those things. So, um, but it's where your focus is. Uh, I know everybody twists the, the verse, but is, is, it, is it that money is the root of all evil? No, it's, it's in, in 2 Timothy 6.10, it's, it's the love of money is the root of many forms of evil, right? So if, if that's your priority, um, no, most of you aren't old enough here to remember the OJs, but even the OJs said that uh, the love of money was a bad thing. For the, you'll have to look it up when you go home. It's a really cool song, R&B stuff. But uh, the love of money is the issue, and it takes us away from the love of our creator. So... Um, so let's look at uh, the first couple of verses then, again. So verses 19 through uh, 22 of chapter 16. There was a rich man dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Uh, even the dogs came to lick his sores. Then the time came. When the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died and was buried. Um, I think that's one thing we can all count on for sure. That's the saying, right? The only thing for certain is death and taxes, right? So uh, unless Jesus comes back first and we're spared having to die, we're going to die. Uh, the shell that houses who we are is going to give up. Uh, some of us sooner than others. I know the older I get, the more I realize that is an absolute fact. Um, it's given up now. I, I, don't, I can't get on ladders anymore because I'm too old and heavy for that and gravity's not on my side. And I screwed up my knee the last time I did, so nobody will let me get on a ladder. Um, I used a mechanic for a living and uh, I still can't bring myself to pay other people to work on my cars because it irks me. Um, that, because if you're a mechanic, everybody else that touches is a mechanic that touches anything every time you work on something after them, it's like, this guy was a hack. What was he thinking? So you're always the best mechanic on the face of the planet. Um, so I can't bring myself to let other mechanics deal with my cars. I'll have to resign myself to that fact someday. But uh, for now, I can still get under them. But what I did find was, if you've ever driven, we live right toward the end of the street on the right-hand side. And if you need to know which house it is, it's one with all the cars that look like they don't run in the driveway. 
Um, they're fairly, fairly thickly covered with dust. They're old, they're cool. They're gonna be cool someday. I'm gonna fix them, I swear. Um, but I've got this old 1960 F100 Ford truck that does run. And um, the clutch went out on end a few years back and it's just got a little three-speed transmission. I used to be able to get under that thing and, and just heft the transmission up into it. I, I couldn't, this, this was about, when was calling over at the house? That's gotta be about seven, eight years ago now, right? And I get on my back. I got it down okay because gravity's on my side that way. When it came time to put the transmission back in after I replaced the clutch, um, couldn't do it. I got back to it and went, <laughs> it's like, doggone it, this, this blows. So getting old is not for sissies. Um, but uh, the only way out, uh, if Christ doesn't come back, is death. And it's coming for you. It's coming for all of us. So um, uh, two good friends of mine um, that I worked with, uh, it came for them. So I got uh, one my mentor at work, guy I worked with for a number of years. Um, he goes home for a Thanksgiving holiday weekend in 2017, and he gets some real serious pain in his back. They go in and check him out, and they find out he's got um, stage four lung cancer. And uh, he made it about another two years. Um, but praise God, I, I got to tell you, I don't think, uh, his name was Colin, uh, I don't think Colin would have had anything to do with the Bible anymore. We talked about it a couple of times, and he had some background. Um, his family was, um, were, uh, oh, nuts, Episcopalian, that's what it was. And they, I think he'd heard the gospel, it's there. Um, I should have wrote that down. <laughs> he heard the gospel. <laughs> Diane's coaching me from the front, so if you see me stumble a little bit. I'm trying to make sure I'm receiving the direction accordingly. So, um, but he heard the gospel, but I, because of his illness, when, he, when you're faced with your own mortality, um, sort of like we were talking about a little bit before, um, it really makes you stop and think. Um, if this isn't just it, then what? So I think at least if you've got that in your background, another friend of mine um, uh, from work uh, diagnosed with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, with ALS. Uh, so he had, a, he had a checkout date. They figured worst case, you know, best case, he'd make it about four or five years. He made it about three. So uh, the difference between he and us is we, uh, we forget sometimes that we're, we have an expiration date. Uh, none of us really know what day that is. The younger you are, the further out you think it is. Um, Bob was, uh, what, 58, I think, when he went. Um, and fortunately, again, uh, he grew up in East Palo Alto, and there was a church there. His family was, uh, um, didn't care about God at all. Um, and in fact, what he described to me, they, they lived like pagans all the time. But because they wanted to live like pagans and Sunday morning they wanted to rest up, there was a church that sent a bus around to pick kids up and take them to church. And his folks made sure they were on that bus every Sunday um, because they didn't want to have all these kids in the house for a few minutes. So he'd been to church every Sunday through his grade school years until he was old enough to, to, to say no and not go. Uh, but he'd been to church every Sunday I went to a Sunday school class where they talked about stories like this in the gospel. And while he hadn't made a profession of faith at that point in his life, he'd heard it. He'd heard it. So um, I tried sharing with Bob, particularly after the, the diagnosis. Uh, and he, Bob's question was, well, what if I can't say it? What if I just think it right at the end? And it's like, well, if you want to take that chance, pal, uh, a couple days ago, you didn't think you'd be where you are right now. So, uh, but God knows your heart. You don't, I don't think you have to physically you know, voice the, the stuff that you don't have to say the sinner's prayer for Jesus to save you. Clearly, that's not, didn't happen with the thief on the cross. So, uh, 
But I said, I don't know that I wait that long. And then he got to a point where he was not able to get around well. They had to put him in the VA hospital over in Martinez. And um, Christmas time, my daughter and her family sent them a Christmas card uh, with some stuff in it. And then we sent Bob, Diane and I sent Bob a, a little daily bread thing. And there was a chaplain there that would come around and talk to them every day. And Bob had made a profession of faith. He, he, he recognized what he'd been taught. He believed it. He repented. He asked Christ to save him, and he did. So um, I don't have any doubt that when I get to go to glory, I'll get to see my friends. So, But um, they both, I mean, that kind of came on suddenly. Bob's a weird thing. Uh, Bob went home for Thanksgiving, and he'd been having some troubles hanging on to stuff and took some time off after Thanksgiving, and they tried to diagnose him, and, and this is what they came up with. So I'm not going to go see the doctor until after the first of the year from now on. Nothing after Thanksgiving. <laughs> but that, all that to, to say that we're, we're going to die. Unless Jesus comes back first, we're going to die. So um, in Job 21, 26, um, it says, Side by side they lie in the dust, and the worms cover them both. So, and the verses just ahead of that talk about the people that are glad and the people that are sad. I mean, they all die, and uh, they all go into the dust, and then the worms cover them. So, uh, in Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. So, if you thought the birds wrote that, um, it was... Uh, in the Bible first. So bless their hearts. I don't know if they knew they were quoting the Bible, but that'd be cool if they did. I don't think David Crosby knows, but anyway. In uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, uh, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. So I think uh, the Bible, which is the truth, it just it doesn't contain the truth, it is the truth, makes it pretty clear we're going to die. Um, I looked up something in the, uh, one of the commentaries I was using to try to get ready for this. A guy named Matthew Henry in his commentary. Um, it said that death blends the scepter with the spade, equal pace and impartial fate knocks at the palace door and the cottage gate, no matter who you are. The tall and the small, the rich and the poor, the powerful and the, and the not powerful. I mean, we're all going to die someday. Um, as is indicated in the story that we just read, they both died, both of them. So... Um, Looking at chapter at, uh, verses 23 through 26. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up, he being the rich man, and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in his fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us there and you there is a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to there cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Um, eternity is certain. We're all going to live forever. Um, the part about just dying and ceasing to exist. So whatever you did here that, that might cause you some grief in the hereafter, whew, I'm just done. Um, that's not the case. Um, what it said right, straight up right there is they both died and they both, their souls left their bodies and went to two different places. Um, one went to paradise 
and one went to eternal torment. So um, I think it's pretty clear that what Jesus is, Jesus is articulating, there is a hell, and it's a bad place. You know that Billy Joel song, I'd rather, rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints? No. I think he's wrong. Um, I don't think anyone wants to go to hell. I've heard people say that if it was good enough for dad, it's good enough for me. Um, that's not true. This guy went to hell, and he's in eternal torment. I, even on this side of the grave, you can talk to people with like back issues or things like that with chronic pain. Um, we have some folks in our own, our own congregation that experience that very thing. It's brutal, brutal. And some of them, I, I knew a, another, and a lot of guys at work, I knew another guy at work that had his back was so tore up he was in pain all the time. And he got hung up on narcotics and the only way he could see to get out of it at one point was to take his own life. It was that bad. The thing is here, you can't get out of it. There is no end. You'll be in eternal torment. And that's what it says with this guy. He was in torment and in fire. Um, so it's, you're going to live forever. Um, your quality of life in eternity wholly depends on what you do with Christ in this life. Wholly. Um, blow it off. I don't think it will work out so well for you. At least that's not what God's word says. So uh, in Daniel 12, 2 through 3, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will, earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who led many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I would rather be on that side of it, if I could, right? I would rather be on the side where um, I, don't, I go to everlasting life. Um, in Matthew 25, 46, um, and this is the, the passage that starts off about people talking about sheep. They're Jesus talking about sheep and goats. And they're the, I always took it to mean, because he said the, the goats were on his left and the sheep were on his right. So Diane and I always sit on this side of the church. Because from, <laughs> from my perspective, that's the right. <laughs> so as long as Jesus wasn't facing them when he was talking to them, I'm in good shape. Otherwise, as I see it now, um, I guess we're goats. Because we're, we're on the left. <laughs> but uh, Matthew 25, 46, he says, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And then in, uh, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 14, then I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. We're, we're, don't, don't, uh, I, that explains itself. Um, we're gonna, I know we've talked up here before. Um, you want to meet Jesus as your Savior, not as your judge. And what that says is that, that people who don't know Christ as their Savior are going to be judged based on what they did. And we all fall short, all of us. So I'm going to get to that. I'm, I'm jumping ahead, sorry. And I got, how am I doing, Ike? Ike's my timekeeper. So I told him to tell me when it gets to be, uh, what time? 11 o'clock. 
So, um, and then uh, Luke 23, 39 through 43, with Christ and the criminals. Um, one criminal who hung there hurled uh, insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So, and then um, last one I got on this one is Second uh, Corinthians 5.8. Paul said, we are confident, and I say I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So as Christians, that's our promise. I know a few years when I was at this church in Atwater, um, I was always kind of a heaven or hell guy. You die, you go to, if you're a Christian, you go to heaven. If you're not a Christian, you go to hell. And other people were making arguments that, well, maybe when you get into Revelation, it doesn't teach that exactly. You go to paradise or, or Hades or whatever you call that someplace, just this side of either of those places ultimately. Um, and it freaked me out a little bit. I'm like, no, 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 it's got to be. But that's sort of like whether this is a parable or it's an account. Um, that pastor we had there, a guy's name was Ray Reed, really godly guy. He said, look, man, he said, I, I don't know what to tell you for sure. And Ray didn't say, look, man, he never would have spoken like that. Very proper, very articulate, way, way more than I am. But uh, he, uh, he, what he articulated to me was, if I'm with the Lord, I don't care what it is. And frankly, if you're in eternal torment, I don't, care if, I don't know if you care if that's the last stop in the line or not. Um, if this is what you're going to look, have to look forward to for eternity, um, and to try to put some context on eternity, somebody did a really cool thing with a, a bird picking up a twig and taking it somewhere, to, but I couldn't remember what it is, and I forgot to look it up. But what I do know is this, um, the last verse of Amazing Grace that we don't always sing anymore, but we used to sing a lot, is, uh, sorry, when we're there, 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, well, no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Um, eternity is a long time. It's forever, right? And last, um, let's look at the, one more time at Luke 16, 27 through 31. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So um, salvation is certain if you receive it. There is salvation out there. That's why we call it salvation is for this very reason. When we talk about um, at the end of this life, what happens to you, um, you're going to be judged either based on your works or you're going to stand in front of God dressed in Christ's righteousness because you received his gift of salvation. Um, that when uh, Ian was, we were singing a song about the ransom, that's exactly what we are for Christians. We're ransomed. Jesus paid the price for our sins so we stand before God. We're not judged on our works because none of us can be good enough. <clears throat> so it says then, uh, but you can receive Christ's gift of salvation and stand before a holy God with wearing that 
and go to heaven. Um, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, and in uh, John 3, 16 through 18, and the most famous verse in the Bible, uh, God loved, so loved the world that he gave his own, one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So if you don't believe in Christ and the work that he did on your behalf, um, I don't think we talk about John 3.16 a lot because that is an absolute fact. Um, Jesus came to, to the world to save us, and you shall not perish but have eternal life. That's God's desire. And I work for a law enforcement agency, and vernacular is really important. Shall, shoulds, mays, woulds. Um, Shalls are imperative, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. It's, it's promised. But the other promise is, whoever does not believe stands condemned. Now, those are your options. Life or eternal death. Um, in Romans 3.23, and I know I've talked to you guys about this before, but I, they call it the Roman road to salvation. Um, I learned it a long time ago, and um, clearly it's God's word, so it's very effective. Um, but I use it profusely when I try to talk to people about this stuff um, because it's not what I think about things necessarily, what I believe. Um, Diane and I were watching a thing on the Dove channel yesterday, in fact, and uh, this guy does this thing called Road Trip to Truth. I can't remember his name now off the top of my head. But uh, it's interesting. They go to college campuses um, where they try to teach people that, you know, God didn't invent, God didn't make man, man made God. And, College campuses is where they tried to take a lot of people that have been raised in the church and make them believe it was all false. Make them believe everything you were taught was false. And they've been pretty effective at it, frankly. They catch people that are, are still impressionable and they convince them that the world is a better place to be. Churches square the same thing that we were talking about at the onset. <laughs> but uh, he said, uh, talk to people about belief and then a lot of them are teaching, if you believe something hard enough, it makes it true. Well, I mean, I, I can step out in front of Diane when she's backing out the driveway, and if she's mad at me, she's not going to stop. And no matter how hard I believe that I'm going to be okay, she's going to run me over. And I'm probably not going to be quite that okay. Um, when I was trying to stuff that transmission in that truck, no matter how hard I believed I could pick it up, I couldn't pick it up. I had to use a jack. So um, you can believe as hard as you want, even though that's what they try to teach you. Believe it, and it'll be so. Um, that's absolutely false. Um, the truth is the truth. Um, so Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, whether you believe that or not. We were talking this morning, too. Uh, ben did our devotion before, uh, before church today for the folks that get here early enough. I'd encourage you, if you've got a minute, you get here early. It's kind of cool. People fellowship, and then um, we do a little thing in the kitchen and pray, and then we come up with the, with the word. What was the word today, Ben? I've already forgotten. Believe. Believe. There you go. Well, because the thing, the other thing that was interesting this morning, too, is uh, I was watching a little bit of Charles Stanley before we got here this morning. Who, whether you love him or you hate him, he says some good stuff. But uh, he said, you know, the church, I used to say that the mantra used to be, uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. He said, you really don't need the middle part of that phrase. God said it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, it, what he said is true. So, and after, since we've all sinned in Romans 3.23... Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Um, Romans 5.8, I wrote the same thing, darn it. What does it say up there? That's it, sorry. But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, I, didn't, I didn't do that good with my copy and paste, Cliff. <laughs> Romans uh, 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Uh, and then uh, the last scripture I was going to go over today is First uh, John five twelve through thirteen. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So, in in the last part of this passage. Um, it's kind of interesting that the rich man actually at a point stops considering only his own torment. And now it's like, if I can't get out of it, now he at least considers his family. Um, send somebody to go visit with my brothers. Um, tell them. And they, Abraham tells them, you know, they, they've got what they need. They've got the word of God. They've got Moses and the prophets. It was already in print then. We certainly have it now. Um, no, no, no. You know, if, if somebody rose from the dead, that they, they would believe that. And what's interesting is the stuff that I was looking at is um, Jesus rose another man named Lazarus, not this man, but rose another man named Lazarus from the dead, right? He'd been dead four days. In fact, they, when he got there, they were, why are you so late? When he started to go into the tomb, they said, we don't want to go in there now because he's going to smell bad. I mean, it's, it's going to be an odor. It's going to stink. Not only was he dead, he was, he was dead and rotting. Um, and Jesus raised him from the dead. And these same Pharisees that he was, he were talking, to, he was talking to here, uh, we're completely aware of that, and it made them so angry they started to plot to kill him even harder there. So I think you could make the argument that you have the Bible, you have God's word. Uh, God's word doesn't come back void. God's word can impact your heart, but it has to be so not so hard that it can get through. Um, so um, the last thing I've got um, that I really have prepared, and we'll just talk a second. I'll go. How am I doing? I we got time. How much? Oh, I went over. Ike was supposed to tell me at 11. Sorry. I didn't know I had that much to say. Sorry. We need to get to Agape. So let me, like, it's not that hard to wrap this thing up, but I did want to read one thing. Um, Cliff's uh, Alistair Begg guy. I like Alistair Begg. He's just not the one I seek out specifically, but he's on the radio in the morning when I head to church or to work. Um, and he did this thing that really impacted me a few weeks back. Um, he was talking about the man on the middle cross. And is that the one we got up there? Cool. Thanks, Cliff. I wanted to display the pictures because it's a lot harder for me to find pictures and actually send them to somebody. Poor Lavana, I had to send three emails. She helped me put the slides together. I had to send it three times to try to get it right. And I didn't look at all of them, so I don't know if I did. If I messed up, you can let me know after. But... Uh, Alistair Begg's preaching, and he's talking about uh, preaching on the cross. And uh, I'm just going to read to you what they sort of did, the script that they did out of, out of what he said. It says, without preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day, every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground for our salvation. So to go to the old Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that in the first person, 
we've immediately gone wrong because I, because I believe, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Um, loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. I can't wait to find, this is pretty good. I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how'd that shake out for you? Because you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You didn't know a thing about church membership, and yet you made it. How'd you make it? That's what the angel must have said, you know. The angel, so the guy gets to heaven, the angel says, what are you doing here? The man says, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go to get the supervisor, angel. So just a few questions for you. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy says, I've never heard of that in my life. And what about the doctrine of scripture? The guy just staring and eventually in frustration. So the guy just looks at him like, what are you talking about? Um, eventually in frustration, the supervisor says, on what basis are you here? He said, the man on the middle cross said I can come. So, sorry. We need to have a desire to share that information with the lost around us. So, um, none of us are promised tomorrow. If you haven't dealt with the man on the middle cross, today's your day. Don't wait. Um, you need Jesus for your eternity, and not just for your eternity. There's a lot of stuff, if I were um, better at this, that I could tell you about the abundant life. Um, but you do need him for your eternity. And other people need Jesus. I had a guy I worked with at a forklift outfit. He was in the parts department. And uh, I didn't know if he was a Christian or not. I certainly didn't act like a Christian. Um, but, I mean, truth be told, I didn't know if I acted like a Christian every day I worked at that point in my life either. And I, I still don't believe me. I'm not telling you that I'm a, a great guy at work, a great Christian. I lose my temper. I do all sorts of things. But uh, I thought Chuck was lost at the post, as far as I knew. And uh, he'd been ill, quite ill. And God had just laid him on my heart for whatever reason. And usually there were a lot of people around, and I was too big a coward to do it in front of a bunch of other people. Uh, but one day, it was just Chuck and I in the lunchroom, just the two of us. He'd been sick. We didn't know if he was going to recover. He came back. And uh, just Chuck and I in there. And I, I, I've talked to other people that have heard God audibly. Uh, I never have, really. But this is one time I, I think it gets as close as it ever came for me is that I could feel the need to talk to Chuck about his, his eternity. And uh, I didn't do it. I wished out. I was afraid Chuck would be upset. I was afraid somebody else would hear me in the workplace and there would be some kind of a row because we're not supposed to bring God to work. And I didn't. I failed. And uh, it's like, you know what? I'll get him tomorrow. I'll catch him out in the lot. And uh, Chuck never came back to work. Chuck died. So the only part of the part of this story that impacts me almost the most dramatically, is the fact that somebody in torment is able to look over and see somebody there. And that's the one thing I'm going to regret when I have to stand before my Lord and admit that I failed. Don't make that mistake. I'm hoping I can't see Chuck in line while we're all waiting to go. And he's like, man, why didn't you tell me? We were right there. Why didn't you tell me? My dad used to talk about that all the time. Don't be an eternity, and hopefully I can't see the people that I've failed. Um, I might have been their last chance, and you don't know that, and I don't know that. 
So I think we should take, I'm hoping what you take away from this thing is two things. If you haven't done business with God and you're not certain of your salvation, today's the day you make certain. Um, come see somebody here and uh, we'll help you work through it. And we can share with you. And, and if you're around people and you're not certain of their salvation, share with them. There's stuff on the back. Please take one track, take one, give it to somebody. Um, everybody says, look, I'm not an evangelist. I'll tell you what, no one can refute. I don't know the Bible that well. Um, no one can refute what Jesus has done for you. No one. Your personal experience with Jesus, no one can knock that. That's all you have to share with them. And the Holy Spirit will do the rest. You're not going to save them anyway. God's going to save them. Hello all, and thank you for checking out this episode of the Gray Avenue Christian Church Podcast. For any more information about who we are, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook and our website. Again, thank you for your support, and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.